Just remain standing if you have your Bibles. Let's go to the book of Jude tonight. Amen. The book of Jude, which has been known for contending for the faith. We'll pick up in verse one. I'm not gonna say I'm gonna begin a series, but I am gonna begin teaching tonight and we'll see where it goes, amen? How many have ever heard a series done on the book of Jude? Would you raise your hand? Okay, wow. Okay, maybe we will, we will excuse me, maybe we will begin a series then. Let's go. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, a brother of James, very significant, to those who are called, watch this, three prong, those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Three things, those who are called, those who are sanctified, and those who are preserved. Verse two, mercy, peace, love be multiplied to you, speaking blessings, beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, not meaning lacking power, but commonality because we all share it. Ronnie Finley is not saved different than I was. It's the same blood. He says, concerning our common self salvation, something changes in the spirit here. I found it though necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once and all delivered to the saints. There won't be another faith. There's only one faith. One more verse and then I'll teach tonight. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Watch this. Ungodly men who turned the grace of God into lewdness or lasciviousness and deny the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to hear me for a moment. If you just take that verse, and if I ask you the, today, does this apply to 2018? You would have to say if you're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and have any discernment whatsoever, that's the day that we live in. Amen. I want to teach just for a few moments on the book of Jude, contending for the faith. Would you stretch your hand this way, please? Charlene, would you pray over me and this body that they would have ears to hear, please? You may be seated, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not gonna go for past eight o'clock unless the Spirit of God is moving, and so I may not get past the opening statement of my introduction. When I read the book of Jude, in the natural sense, I was raised in the 80s. I know I don't look that old, but I was a child of the 80s and a teenager of the 90s. And one of the series that marked my life as a young man because of being a male, being raised in the South in a little town called Society Hill, how many remember the Rocky movies? Anybody remember the Rocky movies? I see some of you, and like Kevin, he would be a more Rocky one where I was more Rocky five because I'm much younger than he is. 
But if you understand, I remember, in fact, Mike, I was in Ohio. I went to the Football Hall of Fame. I won a trip. I won an MVP of a football team, if you can believe that or not. And they took me to the Football Hall of Fame at Canton. And while I was there, my coach took me to the movie theater and we saw, I believe it was Rocky V. Rocky V was when he fought Tommy Morrison, if you remember that, in the street. And I'll never forget it when Tommy punches Rocky's uncle and knocks him down. Rocky says, and I'm not going to do it in his voice or that vernacular, but he basically says, you knocked him down. Why don't you try knocking me down? And I can just see it in my mind now. One of the worst beatings I've ever got, Brother Mitchum, was when I was watching a rerun of a Rocky movie in Society Hill, and the, if the music wouldn't start, I'd have been all right. But once, you know, he, they knock Rocky down, and all of a sudden the, move, the music starts, and next thing you know, he starts getting up, and something just took over my body. I don't know what happened, but the next thing you know, my little brother became Tommy Morrison. You understand what I'm saying? And I made a couple punches on him. I was feeling good until he called mama and daddy, and then I wasn't feeling good anymore, if you understand what I'm saying. Don't blame it on me, blame it on Rocky. When I read the book of Jude, you ask me, why do I say that? Because Jude is a fighter's book. It is a book for believers and a call to arms to stand guard, stand watch, be who God's called you to be. Don't be knocked down or persuaded, watch this, or Sister Carolyn, to be swayed away by new doctrine, to be taken away by loose living. Or watch this, and, and this is where I believe we're at, have a careless attitude that you could care less about the faith. We'll fight over things in the church that don't matter, but people can preach false doctrine and nobody waves a warning flag anymore. Are you listening? In fact, people will say today, don't preach doctrine. Don't talk about doctrine. I, I'm not talking about religious things that you and I would disagree on of conviction, but I'm talking about the basic tenets of the faith that the writer says, when you see Jesus appearing, hold on to the faith. You understand tonight? That's what the book of Jude is about. It is a statement, a letter to the church that when you see Jesus about to come and perilous times are approaching, it's what 1 Timothy 4 and 1 said, now the Holy Spirit speaketh expressly that in the last days, last time or latter days in the King James, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to what? Seducing spirits and the doctrines of what? Devils, absolutely. He says there's gonna be a last day movement. Hollywood just made one of the biggest hits of the, uh, of the 2018 about one of my childhood heroes of the faith who I watched preach upon a Pentecostal anointing who mesmerized people like Oral Roberts, but today he preaches an inclusive theology that nobody goes to hell. Hell is just a state of mind, and even if there was a hell, you wouldn't go to hell unless you choose to go to hell. He is promoted by Hollywood. He has been lifted up to a high standard. He feels like he has been vindicated and the world is saying, that's a preacher that we can follow. Listen to me, saints, tonight. If we're in that last day, there will be more doctrines of devils wrapped around seducing spirits that will creep inside the church. And if they cannot get us to turn around, they will just get us to stumble so they can get the next generation down the road. 
That's why I'm thankful that our kids are at youth camp tonight in the presence of God, conducive where God can move in their life. That's why I'm thankful for the ministry across the road because we're teaching them sound doctrine tonight so they won't fall by the wayside. Can somebody say amen? In 2 Thessalonians, Paul would say it this way in chapter two. He said, there will come a falling away. It's the same word there. He said, there will be a great falling away before the Lord comes. What does that mean? It's like the word divorce or where we get the word apostasy. It means that there is gonna be a separation from God's people and God's word and the true faith before Jesus comes. That inside the church, inside the four walls of the church, inside the Pentecostal church, inside the denominational churches of America, there's going to come a day where loose preaching and wild preaching and those who can get the next catchphrase, listen to me tonight, I'm saying something, you may not be listening, but I'm saying something. Those who preach for shock value, those who will come in a pulpit and cuss to get your attention. They're not saying much, but what they're saying tickles your ears and people of the world, instead of having to commit 100% to Jesus, they can commit 50% to Jesus and have a preacher say, that's okay. Listen, God will save you just like you are, but he'll sanctify you and change you through transformation. I got one person with me tonight. Come on, give God a hand of praise if you believe that. Falling away means apostasy. That there will come this move away from God. This move away from God's teaching. This move away that we endorse sin. This move away that will push preachers who preach false doctrine and elevate them. And they are swayed away by the riches of man and the pleasure of the flesh and by the finances of this world. There is a divorce that will take place in the church when this doctrine of devils takes root. Not only do we call it apostasy, but there will be an apostasy teaching. And from that apostasy teaching that gives away from the leading away of scripture, listen to me, then there will become what we call an apostate. That means the church or churches or the bishops or the preachers that teach doctrines that deviate away from scripture. What did Paul do in Acts 20? I believe it's verse 29 if you want to pull that up. What did Paul do when Joy, when he was leaving the church at Ephesus? He pulls them together. He doesn't tell them about suppers. He doesn't tell them uh, about voting somebody in. What does he tell them, I believe, in Acts yes, 20 and 29? He says, the reason that I am concerned about leaving you, that when I leave you, these pack of wolves are going to come in. These wolves are going to come in. They're savage wolves and they won't spare anybody. Oh, I wish somebody was listening tonight. Go to the next verse, verse 30. Watch this. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after who? Yes. Paul, Pastor Godwin tells the Ephesian elders, he said, the greatest concern, Rusty, that I have for this great and mighty church, first of all, he says, time I walk away, there's gonna be a pack of wolves. They're gonna show up and they're gonna try to move you away. The book of Galatians, oh foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you that you are so soon removed away from the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Y'all quiet tonight. Brother Nolan, that's why, now I'm just gonna preach it. That's why some churches are confused whether or not they have to be circumcised or not. They have to give certain things or not. 
And I always say this, in fact, I text your former pastor at camp meeting when something was being preached, and I, 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 just, I just texted this. I was probably wrong, I was probably in the flesh, but I did it anyway. I texted him, I said, why don't we just preach the word of God? You know what I'm saying? I'm not judging anybody. I'm just saying. Because Paul said in the book of Galatians, he says, you do have to be circumcised, but no longer of the flesh. Because a man can cut his flesh and not be saved. But if he is circumcised in the heart, man cannot touch his heart. But only the Holy Spirit can touch the heart of man. So Paul says to them, there will be these people that come in like a pack of wolves who will get you by yourself and they will tell you, Pastor Wade really is not who he says he is. There's a, there's a skeleton in his closet. There's a sin. Can I tell you something? If you look in anybody's closet, there's something there in the past. I got five people with me. Everybody else is saying, I got a lock on that closet, preacher. It's been for the grace of God that all of us are here. And they will pull people away that try to tear down the truth. Why? Because if we distort or, uh, or pervert the truth, it will keep the next generation from being saved upon the blood of Jesus Christ. The second thing he told the Ephesians elders is what? Go back to verse 30. He says, first of all, the wolf circle come in. But can I tell you, I don't think that's the greatest danger. I don't think the wolves coming in are the greatest danger because sooner or later there should be somebody at North Wahala who can tell a wolf from a sheep. But when the sheep look like wolves, I feel him tonight. Maybe it's just me. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw disciples to Jesus Christ. That's not what it says, does it? How do I know that North Wahala is in the will of God? Because we're taking people from sin to Jesus. People that preach false doctrine. Come on, give him praise. Watch this. How can I tell if a man is preaching false doctrine, if he's pro promoting and propping himself that he looks like the peacock of the church? I promise you somewhere he's preaching false doctrine. Most of the time with preachers where false doctrine is being promoted, one or two things are happening. He's either got his hands on money or he's got his hands on flesh. Look through all our history. Jim Jones, you can just name the ones. You can name them down the list. Something happens when they leave Jesus Christ and they love the applause of man or the flesh of woman or they lie Andrew Jackson in their pocketbook more than they do the approval of Jesus Christ himself. I believe tonight that North Wahala, that there is enough wisdom to spot the wolves at the door. But what we need tonight is a fresh anointing. Let me tell you why. I like these older preachers here because they've been through it, saints. I've got three retired ministers. Tonight, there's one that nobody will out visit him. There's another one that's one of the finest long-term pastors in the history of this state. And then there's another one right here who can pray a prayer life that will take you right into the presence of Almighty God. I may fool a new convert for a week, but I will not fool these men of God right here for a second. Are you listening tonight? There's a place for them in the church. 
I worry about when the church doesn't have discernment to understand when false doctrine is being preached. And when false doctrine is being preached, it will take us away from the presence of Almighty God. And when people cannot get in the presence of Almighty God, they cannot be changed. And if they cannot be changed, they are bound. And if they are bound, then their children are bound. And if their children are bound, the next generation will be bound. And then the church will be nothing but a building. It will look like the country club or the country western bar. It will look just like another governmental agency that promises and promotes a lot but leaves people empty and hollow on the inside. But listen to me tonight. You can take away the stained glasses. You can take away the air conditioner. You can take away our denominational sign. But if the presence of Almighty God is in this house, if the word is being preached with power and if the Holy Ghost is able to move in demonstration and power, we may not have the finest building. But if we have the presence of God in this place, lives can be changed upon our God's presence and turn around for the glory of God. I can give you, you somebody said, I feel him tonight. I, I will not even get to point one. Just in the last week, we have met, our leadership has met twice with rock stars of the 90s who are confessing their sins. Some have been on MTV, have been meeting with one of our pastor, pastors or leaders, and he's been teaching them about the ways and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's not a partial salvation. It's not a partial help. It's a full deliverance that comes with the power of God shows up in somebody's life. Paul says there will be a twofold assault on the church. Outside persecution from wolves and then the assault on the inside that will come when men of God, women of God begin to become a life or have a life of apostasy or apostate and they turn the house of God into a place of destruction. Jesus said in Matthew 7 and 15, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly there are nothing but raving wolves. Tonight, I want to put this church on notice to the Wednesday night crowd, which is the backbone of the church. Why do we teach on Wednesday nights? We don't teach just fables or stories. Why do I like teaching the word of God so much? Because when I leave this place tonight, I know that I know that I gave you something that the word of God or the Holy Ghost ordains that will change your life, carry your life, and keep your life. Are you listening? That's what he's saying here in the book of Jude. He is saying to all of us tonight to stand guard, to fight. Later on, you're gonna hear me say this phrase, contend for the faith. Not your opinions, not what your preference is. Well, I like Southern gospel. Well, I like praise and worship. I like choir. I like new school. I like old school. I like white gospel. I like black gospel. We have gone through a generation of church wars and church games that have done nothing but divided the faith and gave the people that are lost in our community an opportunity to say they can't get alone. So why should I be saved? We've been fighting for the wrong cause. Brother Nolan, you don't know what I like. Didn't ask you what you like. The good thing about North Wahala, we do such a variety. If you hang on, sooner or later, sooner or later, you're gonna get what you like. 
But you got to remember now, every Sunday is not Burger King Sunday. All right, let's go to point number one. Somebody say point number one. Because I just got in trouble. Go down to verse two, please. I got 15 minutes. Are you with me? Look to your neighbor and say, he's teaching good tonight. Do that for me. I need it. Jew, the servant of Jesus Christ, brother James. Go back to verse one. Excuse me. I'm sorry. He first of all sets this up. In our introduction, what you've got to know about this, first of all, is understand how he opens, which shows you his heart and who he is. Now, I can debate a little bit of who I think he is about the half-brother of this. I'm not going to touch on that. You and I can talk at the church, but I really want to get to the point of the spiritual relationship. I want to bypass his earthly relationship and show you that he became a bond servant to Jesus Christ, which shows that, in a sense, a slave to Christ, meaning that his whole life was sanctified and set apart to Jesus, which supersedes any earthly relationship. Then, once we've established who the writer is, he says he's writing to those who are called, sanctified by God, and preserved in Jesus Christ. And let me talk about that for a few moments. First of all, to those that are called. Who are the called ones? You and I. The called ones are those when Jesus said in the parable that he set a great banquet table and made a plea to go out for those to come. Some made excuses. Some say they had to do this. Some said they had to do that. But to those that came, those that believe, they were transformed. And Jay, their name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And now they have gone from sinners to saints. Right? This is the only place that you can be called a true saint. Not, perf not perfect, but a saint accepted in the beloved. He writes to the church, the called ones, called meeting, transformed. Tonight, this word is not for those that are lost. Those that are lost cannot receive this part of the scripture. It doesn't apply to them until they get saved. Now when they get saved, they understand it. They don't understand about wolves. They don't understand about false doctrine. Only thing they know last night, a needle was in their arm. That's why we gotta lead them to salvation. But once they are saved, they are just like you and I tonight. And they become of the family of God. Last night, they were the family of darkness. Salvation, they had 13 affairs, sold drugs on the street corner, lied about everybody in this church, cut the pastor's tires, got saved last night, they're part of the family of God. Amen. Right? <laughs> Not only are they called, he says they have been sanctified. Sanctified means that they have been set apart. Not only does God call you, he sanctifies you. He sets you apart for his service and for his use. That means not set apart to do nothing, but set apart to do something. You have been saved, called, and now you have been sanctified. The words in you. When you first got saved, you were saved, but you still cussed a little bit. Hello? I saw somebody just bump somebody and say, he's preaching to you, he's preaching to you. Jay, you better not call Crystal out. You're going to be in trouble tonight, brother. Amen. <laughs> now you are sanctified. You are growing. 30 years of salvation, you look totally different than you did three weeks into salvation. He's writing those that have been called and set apart. Watch this. And not only been sanctified, but those that have been preserved. Those who are called, those who have been set apart, and now those 
who are accepted in the beloved and preserved in the arms of Jesus Christ. I'm so glad tonight, not only do I belong to him, but that he keeps me and watches over me, never leaves me nor forsakes me, fights my battle. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Who shall I be afraid of? When the wicked enemies and foes come upon my flesh to eat of my flesh, what did David say in Psalm 27? They stumble and they fall. And he goes on to say, the host shall rise about me, the war shall encamp me, my heart shall not fear. Why? And he goes on and goes on. And then the end, what does he say? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. For in my time of trouble, he shall hide me in the secret of his pavilion. What, what says? In his tabernacle, he shall hide me and he shall set my feet upon a rock. Why does Jude write to them? He's calling North Walhalla to order. He's calling us to stance. He is a general, the five star, four star, I should say, general, letting us know that we're living in perilous times and the Lord is about to come. He's not writing to those who just visit church. He's not writing to Easter Christians. He's not writing to those who say they say, but they don't know God. They don't pray. They don't fast. They don't talk to God. You're judging. I'm not judging. Jude has already penned these words. He's not writing to those that got saved at four and never went back to church, don't care about God, cuss God, deny God. He is not writing to them. He's writing to those who have been called, those who have been saved, those that have been sanctified and those that have been preserved in Jesus Christ and protected by the hands of God and he's calling us to stand up and take note, to put our name on the line and say, yes, I am a child of Almighty God. I believe in the word of God. I believe every word it says. I believe Noah built an ark I believe it did it and it was just like he said. I believe Jonah was swallowed by a fish and spit out on the other side just like the word said. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe what it says. Are y'all listening tonight? What? Go, go, mm, I feel, go to verse two, go to verse two. Are you enjoying this? He says to those saved, sanctified, preserved, mercy, peace, love be multiplied to you. Now listen, now, let me set you up here in the last, last eight minutes. Now he's setting them up. You, you, you know that, right? Can you feel that when he, verse two, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied, multiplied to you. Anthony April comes home and says, baby, I love you. The way that you have worn your hair today, I just, I just don't know. It's taking my breath away. If he's been married for any length of time, here's what's about to come next. Anna was in your truck, she backed out and she tore the mailbox down. That's what? <laughs> right? It's pretty close. That's what Jude's about to do. But, but to stay in the word of God, first of all, he said mercy. Mercy is an upward uh, to our relationship with God. Mercy means that we did not get what we deserve. Those who are saved, sanctified, and preserved, aren't you thankful that mercy shall follow us all the days of my life? So the next time you look out the window and say, I can't wait till my neighbor gets what they deserve. I can't wait. Go back in your prayer closet and ask God to show you what you should have got. 
Mercy means you don't get what you deserve. Not only mercy, but watch this peace. He's saying to those where God's mercy is poured out and they become vessels of mercy in Romans 9, he now said, peace be increased to you. That means you are perfectly joined together. Peace means not that there's no storm. Peace does not mean that there's an absence of any chaos in your life. Peace means that everything is still perfectly joined together. This is the blueprint that the Holy Ghost gave me. This is the blueprint. My son shall be saved. My son shall preach the gospel. But what I see in the natural is my son was at a bar last night, okay? So I've lost my peace. No, you've not lost your peace. You're in a warfare. But peace is when you go back to the blueprint and you see at the bottom of the blueprint is signed by God himself. So God says to you in the middle of the battle, don't lose your mind. Everything is still perfectly joined together. You can't see it, but that's why you walk by faith and not by sight. Brother Nolan, I've been praying for my grandchild. I don't see it. I want to remind you, the blueprint is still intact. See, to those that are saved, those that are sanctified, those that are preserved, mercy is following us and peace lives inside of us. Mercy there, as I told you a while ago, that's the outward relationship with God. Peace is that inward that why hell is coming against me. Hell's not destroyed me. I am in him and he is in me. Lastly, be multiplied to you. That means it's available to you and it's available tomorrow in greater measure. Amen. Point number two, I'll close here. What, get him one more verse, please. Verse three. He tells us why he's writing to us. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write your concerning, excuse me, to you concerning our common salvation. He's saying to you tonight, you can just leave that there. He says to you, I was writing to you, Joy, about our common salvation. And I was gonna talk to you about how it saved you and it saved me and it changed you and it changed me. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit changes his thought. To you preachers, Brother Wade, Brother Godwin, Anthony, all you guys in here preachers, all you guys, Pastor Smith, have you ever had a sermon, a red hot sermon that you came out, you knew it was God and you're ready to preach it, all of a sudden the Lord says, I want you to say something else. Makes you uncomfortable. God, what are you doing, Holy Ghost? And usually it's probably your best sermon that you're ever gonna preach because you're dependent fully upon the Holy Spirit. That's what's happening here. He said, I was gonna write concerning our common salvation. Common not being average. Common means that we all share the one and only salvation. There's not 10 salvations, there's one salvation. I heard a preacher preach recently about all the things that we should do to be blessed and to fight the devil. You know what I told one of my buddies, colleagues? I said, you know what we used to do in the church? We just pled the blood of Jesus Christ. I said, I guess I'm old school now because I don't understand all what he's preaching. We just plead the blood. The blood of Jesus is against you, Satan. Can't cross the bloodline. We make up songs about the blood to defeat him, amen? I remember my old pastor used to preach and said, there's the bloodline, you can't cross it. That's what he's saying here. That common salvation is the same salvation we all share. Watch this. But I found it necessary to write to you to exhort you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once and all delivered to the saints. This is my last thought tonight. He says, I want you, North Wahala, to fight for the faith. Not for the windows. 
not for grandma's pound cake. I've seen churches split over what ladies wore the church or what they cooked for a homecoming dinner. Y'all quiet. Why? I'm preaching to those that stayed home. Why are you so quiet right now? He says, I, I find it needful. I have been led, composed by the Spirit that were necessary, needful there. It's an inner compulsion that says, I can't do nothing else. It's like he's laying down his feather pen and picking up his permanent marker. Hello? It's like he's laying down his nice little soft blanket and he's picking up something for an almost chastisement. He said, I was gonna write to you and talk about our salvation, but I've gotta pick up a sword. That's a better way of putting it. And I've gotta tell you something that in the last days, when the wolves try to come in and people try to preach false doctrine, I need you to stand up and fight for the faith. Not a faith, not your faith. Not faith to move mountains. That's not the faith he's talking about. He's talking about the faith that we all share, the faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the redemptive one, the, recon the one that can reconcile and restore, the one that made and laid his blood on the mercy seat, and God said, it is now well. He says, I want you to fight for that. Well, Brother Nolan, we're gonna make people uh, uncomfortable. No, we're not. And if we do, we may, I have, listen to me, let me back up. Yes, we will. But I have no problem making people uncomfortable when it comes preaching the word of God. Now, I do get uncomfortable when you preach your conviction. I do get uncomfortable when you start talking politics. I do get uncomfortable when you tell me how we done it 100 years ago. I do get uncomfortable when you tell me what the church down the road is doing and we gotta do it just like them. Oh, I get uncomfortable. Come on, somebody, stay with me. I do get uncomfortable when you tell me you're going to quit the church or quit tithing or quit giving or quit supporting because we're going to take out the pews and put chairs and nobody's voted on that, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, and also, you, just to put this out there, usually the ones who don't want the, want the chairs, the older ones, are usually the ones, once they get the chairs, they go, we like these chairs right here. These are comfortable. But I just, just, I've seen churches split over that. I've seen churches split over who's going to paint what. Can't paint that white. Can't paint that blue. Can't. We fight over stuff that don't matter. That's why there is a system in the church that always works. We vote and we move on. And if we don't get our way, we don't pout, we don't show out, we don't take our red wagon and go home because if we do, we look very immature. The God that we say is so powerful to us doesn't look powerful because we can't see it because you're pouting and having a temper tantrum. Hello? I can't believe Brother Noah rolled up his sleeves. I'm going to quit church. We used to fight over stuff like that. In my, watch this. In, let me prove it to you. In my neck of the woods, there's a church there that says, if you don't have a tie on, you can't preach in the pulpit and you're going to hell because you're not properly dressed. <laughs> but right down the road, less than eight miles, Anthony, you know what? There's another church that says, if you do wear a tie, you're going to hell. You know why? Cause it's worldly and gaudy and you're showing off in the presence of God. So I guess going to hell depends on eight miles. 
And I'm not, sad part is, and maybe they've changed now. You think I'm joking, I'm not joking. Sing the same songs we sing probably. Maybe same doctrine, but in their churches, they're fighting over stuff that doesn't matter. And here's a sad part. One of the churches right beside them is a trailer park and people are hurting. And while we're fighting whether or not somebody can wear a tie or not, there's a little girl that was touched wrong last night and there's a dad that's bound by alcohol and there's a family going through a divorce. And instead of the church being the church and contending for the faith that will redeem them and restore them and give them hope, our churches here in America, we're trying to figure out what sin is. Read Romans 14. I'm so past it. Can I do this? Can I do that? Can I do this? I just tell everybody, just read Romans 14 and you work it out with Jesus. I'm so past trying to figure out your convictions. I'm going to finish this and I'll close and I'm, I'm not stopping till I finish. I'm so sick of it. Can I do this? Can I do? You go work it out with God, but also read Romans 14 to understand the full scope of the matter before you make that decision. But while we have spent a generation worried and trying to figure out what sin was, Satan has crept in, raised up ungodly people preaching false doctrine and the sad part while the church is trying to figure herself out all around us people are dying and in Oconee County the golden corner the best place to live in South Carolina and I say that not being funny I believe it is the best place no other place I'd rather raise my children but while we are playing patty cake and singing kumbaya and trying to figure out what was what the enemy snuck in and started selling drugs on our corner and it wasn't African American kids it wasn't kids from a third world country it was pretty little white kids riding up down the road and now they're coming back to us and we're trying to figure out what are we going to do about this epidemic. We've got nobody to blame but ourselves. So I call you back tonight and I commend you and I implore you and I tell you to rise up in the name of Jesus Christ and contend for the faith and fight for what's important and take back what the enemy has stolen from us. Stand with me tonight. And I meant that not in the sense of being racial. I meant that because at other times it was other people's problems. But we don't realize they're our brothers and sisters too. But now it's our problem because it's here. How many times do we go to the church a week? How many do this? What do we sing? How many songs? Do we, do we baptize? Do we sprinkle? Why well, I do believe that we should know who we are. And I believe that, listen to me, I don't believe you can say to any one of our pastors that they don't know who they are. You know, a long time ago, if we sprinkled anybody in the church of God, they'd turn you out. But recently, I had to sprinkle somebody. You don't know why? Only time in my ministry, when I say sprinkle, I'm talking about water baptism. I, I guess I need to clarify what I meant there. Because they're in a hospital bed and they wanted to be baptized. So what do I do? Just grab some Dasani or a cup of water and go to town. It wasn't a matter about the outward, even though I believe baptism by immersion, I believe that. Brother Godwin passed away, all those, we all believe that. But what I'm saying is sometimes you can't fight over the things that don't matter. Don't matter. Well, Brother Nolan, I don't like when the young people sing. You don't. They sing once a quarter. Once a quarter. I'm gonna say it. Once a quarter. You have two options. You can give them a place to sing or the ones we got that I believe are so anointed, they'll leave gracefully and they'll go right down the road and they'll rent a building and they'll sing. Or 
we could give them a place and we could watch God raise them up and we could watch more come in. Well, Brother Noah, what about some of the other ones? I'm with you. I tell the young people the same thing. They may not like some of the old school singing. Get over it. Because those ones that like that old singing, they were paying the bills long before you came. And if you can't give them a few services a quarter, then shame on you. It works for both sides. But when we come together, saints, and when granny grabs a hold of teenager, watch out, devil. Are you listening? When the Carolyn Morgans of the church grab a hold of the A. Nolans of the church, and while one may have a bun on her head and one came in with shorts tonight, Lord, he needs Jesus every day. But when they join hands together and begin to contend for the faith, and then Aiden reaches a little bit lower, are you listening? And grabs a hold of Ethan's hand. So when Carol is representing 60 years of North Wahala faithfulness, and Aiden's representing a few years at, at 11 years old, and then he grabs a hold of Ethan, who's representing about four years of the faith, and when they touch and agree in purity and in holiness, devil, watch out, something's about to break loose when they contend for the faith together. Amen? Contend for the faith. Give me a few Rockies in the church who will stand up when the bell's being rung and the song's being played. I like, and I close with this thought, if you've ever seen the movie, when the guy goes to walk off thinking that he has won and they're standing on the street pavement and he says, I ain't heard no bell. Some of you listen as I close. You've counted yourself out and you've counted your family out. I hadn't heard a bell yet. Get up in the name of Jesus Christ. Grab a hold of the hand of the Holy Ghost and you let this world know I may have been knocked down, but I've not been knocked out. I'm going to fight for the faith. Brother Nolan, I've been divorced. My kid's in jail. I don't care. Do you have breath in your body? If you've got breath in your body, get up in the name of Jesus Christ and fight for the faith. Father, I've taught your word tonight. And I don't know where I'll go from here. By show of hands outside of our pastors, there's not been a series taught on this little book in a while. It's not easy. The reading is easy, but the application can be difficult. And I know that certain churches cannot handle it, but I believe we can be with our people. Friday morning as we feed those who serve us, God open doors of communication and dialogue so that we can express appreciation. As we come here Sunday morning and Sunday night, God, May it flow like a river. And God, it will be well with our soul. In Jesus' name, amen. While you're leaving, let me tell you this last thought. I was at a church one time and I preached from the book of Jude at the latter portion. As I preached, true story, I used to go to this church all the time and preach. The Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, you will never be back. They will not receive you. 
heard him say that. I used to preach in this church. I was kind of like the evangelist that would always come. But I preached from the book of Jude. They had a transition in pastors. And I felt the Spirit of the Lord say, preach the word, but you will not be back. For they, have not, they will not receive you, nor my word. Not everybody can receive this word. I understand that. But I give it to you with clear conscience, knowing that if we contend for the faith, we will be dangerous in this community. Amen? I love each of you. God bless you. Shake hands. Hug necks. It's good to have our children's pastor with us tonight. As everything is across the road, why don't you go by and love on her and her husband, Brandon. Also go by and see Will and Caitlin and their new baby. Please, ladies of the church, if you would do that. I see Stacy making her way over there. Go by and love on this baby. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you Sunday.